somebody. Why don't we offer up something to him right now? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's really worship the Lord. Somebody from the depths of your heart really give praise unto God. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you and praise you. I worship you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Tonight we bring a minister to this pulpit that is no stranger to deeper. This man of God has spoken words that were timely, that were from the Lord for a specific season and time in the apostolic movement. We respect him very much, and we want Brother McKillop to come, deliver his heart, whatever the Lord has given to him, give it to us. How many is going to help the man of God preach tonight? Come on, man of God. God bless you. Would you give that to Jesus right now? He's truly the one that's worthy. Do you love him tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The sweet presence of the Lord is in this house tonight. I thank God that we serve a God that is touchable and a God that touches us. I'd hate to serve a God that was distant, aloof, disconnected. We serve a God that what concerns us concerns him. I feel him in this house tonight. I felt him since I walked to the doors last night. He's been meeting with us over these last few services. Are you grateful for the word of God and the presence of God? I echo what Pastor Calhoun said just a few moments ago about Pastor Mary Tyler's sweet family in this local church. Thank you for your vision and willingness to invest in ministry. Don't we appreciate what Brother and Sister Mary Tyler to each of the men of God that are here tonight, I honor you and your families. For those that have preached to us, thank you. I uh, and last night, Bishop Tilly just he took the goalpost and ripped it up and ran down the field with it. Or he left us clamoring. Here we are. I'm glad I can have victory in a valley. Well. And then this morning, Pastor Calhoun, man. Wow. Following that, Bishop Tipton, he can say more in 20 words than I can stitch together in 20 pages of notes. That being said, I still offered him my slot tonight, just for the record's sake, because I, I was more than happy to do so. 
Tomorrow, Bishop Lambert and my friend Brother Marks, we're going to hear from God tomorrow. I, I mentioned last night, if I was a devil, I'd be getting out of town tomorrow. <laughs> you know anybody coming in tonight, you may want to check out what kind of people they are. Aren't you glad that this ministry thing's not a competition sport? Now, y'all are just clapping because you're nice. I mean it. <laughs> I mean it, but I'm, I'm thankful the honor to be here. Thank you again, Pastor Barry Time. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. Glad to have my brother here with me this week. I love and appreciate him. Admire what he's doing for God in the country of Belize. I think there's a couple other missionaries here. I don't know if I don't want to get into naming them, but see Brother Shrekheis. Any other missionaries here? I don't want to leave anybody out. I believe in missions. Amen. Let's honor our missionaries tonight. Praise God. Now, I've had about 500 people come ask me where my wife is. I don't even know if they invited me here to preach or not, or if they just wanted her to come stand around and look pretty. I do miss her, I promise you. But I do have an excuse if it flops tonight. My wife's not here. So desperate times require desperate measures. First Kings, you're going to help me preach just for a few minutes tonight. First Kings chapter 17, beginning at verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. I'm not going to adopt that, that, that confidence that he has, but it does, it does stand out to me. He didn't even say according to the word of God. He said it's going to be my word. I know what God said. It's not going to happen until... I say that it happened. Now, a lot of folks would call that pride today. I don't know. You can figure that out. I just find that interesting. That's not what I'm here to talk about. But it's just interesting. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. I want you to notice the specifics eastward by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. Everybody say there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. That means he went eastward. That means he hid by the brook Cherith before Jordan and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank of the brook and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land and the word of the Lord came unto him saying arise 
Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell. Are you, are you, are you seeing the pattern there? And dwell there. Not just anywhere will work. You, if you want the provision of God, there matters. Not just any brook will do. Not just any widow will do. Not just any body of water will do. You've got to get there. If you can get there, There's a provision waiting on you there. I want the Holy Ghost to help us for these next few moments. I want to talk to us about the geography of favor. The geography of favor. If you want the Holy Ghost to speak to you over these next few moments, would you just lift your hands all over this house and ask God to anoint us tonight. Oh, you're still a provider, God. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. As is the case whenever I have the privilege of teaming up with men of God in a conference, I always have my ear tuned to what the Spirit is saying through every message, looking for that common thread. That And a lot of times we hear it, you know as men of God, you hear it through the lens of what you feel God has been speaking to you about. And I've heard it, although each of the messages have had their own depth and angle, I've heard it from last night. The valley is a place. And if, if God is in that valley, Brother Tiller, then everything's going to be all right. And I heard it repeatedly this morning as Pastor Calhoun was so powerfully teaching us that the objective of the adversary is to separate you from the place. I'm just telling you I really believe in 2024 that that is one of the primary objectives of the adversary is to get us out of place. 
if he can get us out of sync with what God is doing, he can have us frustrated because we'll think God's not hearing our prayer and we'll lose confidence in the fact that God is still a provider because we're not seeing the provision. But God is sending the provision, but we're just not intercepting it because we're by the wrong brook. I'm telling you, God is so precise. You hear me tonight? God is not just a provider. He is not just a God of provision. And I believe that He is. But He is a God of precision. He is a God of precision before He is a God of provision. And this idea that is beginning to plague the apostolic ranks that any haphazard old way of having church will do is going to damn the apostolic movement. We need to be precise with how we have church. We need to be precise with the songs that we sing. We need to be precise with the words that we preach. We need to be precise. I know that, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I know that I'm in a room full of men that God has called and young, and, and, and young men that God has called and families that are responding to the call of God. But you listen to me tonight. He doesn't just call men. He calls them to places. The idea that a God that is so big that he fills all space. So big that he fills all of time. Omnipresent. To think that that God could be so concerned with whether I'm on this side of the brook or on that side of the brook. On whether I go west or whether I go east. I really don't think that matters. It matters if you're in a famine. It matters if the heavens have shut up. It matters if you need ravens to be bringing your food in. If God so chooses, He can send it right to wherever you are. But in this case, He said, no, I'm not sending it to Elijah. I'm sending it to a place. I want to be where I'm supposed to be. I want to be there. Now listen, don't you ever doubt God's provision. He he can make something out of nothing. Provision has never been a problem for God. It's always been the precision and the ability of humanity to follow the directives of divinity. And if we can take direction, we can find the provision. Just take a left. Stop. Take a right. Pause. That old-fashioned thing called wait. 
You're not going to get a Pentecost in Jericho. You're not going to get a Pentecost in Bethlehem. You're not going to get a Pentecost in Samaria. There's only one place you can get a Pentecost. You got to go to Jerusalem. You got to go to Jerusalem if you want a Pentecost. You can't just go to any old pool if you want to get your eyes opened up. You got to go. You got to go to the pool of Siloam if you want your eyes to be opened up. I don't know why, but it's a precision thing. It's all about the geography. Why would that make a difference to an omnipresent God? God's everywhere in Tomball. We're not just having church anyway. There's something specific. When you drive in this parking lot, and it needs to be that way in your town. Uh, can I just do what I feel the Holy? This, this, this may be simple and short, but I just got to do what I feel tonight. You got to stop hating where God called you. Well, I think I could have more revival if it was over here somewhere. And, and it'll have you switching and moving. And... There's a geography to the favor of God. And the adversary wants you to leave the precise location before the provision shows up. If he can just get you out of place, there'll be ravens landing behind you, ravens landing ahead of you, ravens landing beside you, and you'll be starving to death in the middle of it all. You don't get to pick the brook, and you don't get to pick the widow, and you don't get, you don't get to pick the town. You just have to follow the direction. We got to get something on the inside of us that says, God, lead us where we're supposed to go in 2024. First, the first question that's ever asked in the Word of God is asked by Satan. Hath God said? Uh, are there any preachers in this house that would just agree that once or twice you've had to answer that question? Uh, we go preach to everybody else, but then we go home and go, huh, was that God or was that me? <laughs> Hath God said? And if you don't answer that question right. The second question in scripture is, where are you, Adam? If he can get you questioned whether or not God said it. then he'll have you chasing all over to get it. 
if you know God said it, all hell can rise against you and it won't get you. It won't get you running after anything else. Because you understand that there's something about the geography of the favor of God that you can't find just anywhere. So the adversary wants you to run. He wants you to buy into the fact that your revival is at the next address. He wants you to buy into the fact that there's more provision somewhere else. I'm just telling if you get to the right place, he'll send a raven. I don't have time to talk about that. But you know, a, a dirty old raven. What's tag team? We're not talking a dove. He knows, he knows how to harness that carnal old ravenous fowl. And say, no, you're going to take something to my preacher. <laughs> Provision's never been a problem. He can even harness the prince of the power of the air. To bring your provision to you. As long as you make sure you're where you need to be. How many things have I missed out on? Because I was one bend in the brook too far away. I was one street over too far. And I was frustrated because I thought God forgot me. I'm just here to tell somebody tonight, God didn't forget you. God has your address. God knows where you are. And he's got a raven that's coming your way. What do we got? We, we got to get a New Testament approach to this. The first question in the New Testament is Where's that baby? <laughs> we saw the star, we saw the landmarks, we saw the boundaries pointing us to where it is. You know what has to be the pull for this generation? Where is he? Where is he? Oh, God. Where's he moving in my town? Where's he moving? Which demographic is he pulling on right now? Which, which ethnic group is he working on right now? Because where, where, if I can find out where he's working, working's easy. If I, can, if, if, if I can just find out where he's at. I just feel like telling you this again tonight. Your location is not against you. If you're where God told you to go, your address is not against you. You need to rebuke that demonic spirit in the name of Jesus. And you need to go back with a fresh determination that I'm going to have revival where you told me to have revival.
been a deal. It's been a deal since the beginning. Geography matters to God. If you don't think it matters to God, you know when you're in heaven and when you're not. He may be omnipresent, but he's got boundaries. You know when you're in hell and when you're not. You sure should know when you're in the church and when you're not. If you don't think geography matters to God, and that you can do some things in certain places that you can't do in other places, <laughs> you just need to start reading your Bible. Lucifer found out real quick. That's not tolerated here. If you want to do that here, you've got to go there. We're not doing that. An omnipresent God said, no, that's too close to me. Get out. Get. Like lightning falling from heaven. That is why it was the objective of the adversary. Because listen, he's out of place. He is out of place, Bishop Tipton. And so his push is to get company. If he could just get one more preacher out of place. One more preacher's wife out of place. One more preacher's kid out of place. He'll feel justified in what he did. He got a bunch of angels. To buy into this idea. And you know what the word of God says? That they are reserved in chains of darkness. I, I understand I'm talking to men of God here. And you know the word of God. And you know that I'm making this, this particular posit right now on the silence of scripture. So please receive it that way. But this is just my opinion. I don't think those angels thought it was going to end that way. I don't think there's one of them angels that said, I'm out of here. I'd just like to sit around in chains for the rest of my eternal existence until I get promoted to... Thank you. Lake of fire. I don't think that's what they wanted. But here's the point. You can choose whether you leave. But you can't choose where you end up. whether or not you're going to stay. But you don't get to pick how deep that pit is. You... Let me just go ahead and speak right now if there's someone here. And, and, and God forbid, but I, I, just, I just know that old backsliding spirit can get a hold of a lot of us. You better not play around with that that says, I can just leave. I can just leave and come back. Whenever I want. No, you don't. You, you can choose to leave, but you don't get to pick. There's just some hallowed places that are favored of God. And if you callously walk away from those places, it forever affects the rest of your life. You need to fall in love with the favor of God. You need to fall in love with the place that God has called you and dispatched you and sent you. If you want to disobey, you can disobey, but not here. 
out of the garden. Get out. I'm just telling you there's certain things you can do in certain places that you can't do in other places. Moses, you can walk all across this wilderness with them shoes. Six inches back there, it was okay. Stop! If you want to come any closer, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. An omnipresent God. An omnipresent God has geographical respect and boundaries. I'm just here to tell you that your church needs to feel different than the Colosseum downtown. God may be there, but he better not be there in more of a manifested form than what he is in an apostolic church. And if we can get him manifested, we'll have no problem with holiness. There was something on the inside of Moses. He said, no problem, I'll take my shoes off. There's something about this place that's different. It's impossible to teach people the logic behind no shoes. When there's no burning bush. Well, if I just have a Bible study with them. No, get them a burning bush. You get them in the presence of God. You, listen, there's some things that only make sense in certain places. Oh, God. I'm going to hurry. Abraham. Abraham. I got a blessing for you. Well, good. Send it over. No, actually. No. You got to go to where it is. Okay, where am I going? Don't worry about it. I'll show you. Get out. Out? What's out? Where, where are we going? Huh? I'll show you. Don't worry about it. I'll... Leave your family. Huh? Okay. Leave your kindred. Yeah. Like I can't even get them the address so they can forward the mail. Where I'm supposed to go. See, the problem is, is we, we, we want it all to come to us on our terms where we are. You got to be willing to go on His terms wherever it is required of you to go. The blessing that I have for you, Abraham, cannot come to you. You have to go to it. And so Abraham said, okay, it's tied to a where. Yes, it is. This blessing is tied to a where. I'll show you, Abraham. And so by faith, Brother Marks, he starts walking. He don't know. He just knows that God said, I will show you. So he starts walking. Now, we know he took Lot. We don't have time to preach all that. You know, you can fit that in. But he's walking along one day. And the Bible says that the Lord appeared unto him. You imagine just walking, not knowing where it was, not knowing what it was, 
fully confident that God said he would show him. And then God just manifests himself, pulls a curtain back on the omnipresence and invisibility of God and just steps on the stage and says, hey, here I am, Abraham. And here it is. This is the land. I don't know about you. At that moment, I would have been like, yes. And Abraham built an altar and he worshiped God. And at that point, I'm going, yes, Abraham. Have you guys, have you ever read the Bible and wanted to scream when, when someone's making the wrong decision and you know it? It's like, no, don't do that. Abraham, no. The next day, he gets up and leaves. Now listen, you got to make sure you get the chronology of this right. God had not told him to walk everywhere yet. That comes later. After Lot separates from him, now lift up your eyes wherever you go and put your foot, that will be yours. He didn't have that command yet. All he had was walk until I show you the land. And God showed him the land. And then he goes, I think I'm going to go down to Egypt. It's like a slow motion train wreck. It's like, what, what are you doing? Now, I know it's hard for any of us humans to relate to doing stuff like that, but old Abraham, he. <laughs> Woo, Sunday night, this is it. God showed it. Deeper conference, God showed it. If we're not careful, we move on past it. Down to Egypt. He go, oh, God. God just showed you the spots back here. Let me just use Brother Mark say, God, here it is. God showed him. Here it is. And the next morning, he just gets up. And, nice, nice, nice to know you, God. Don't you get it? I'm going to go to Egypt. What? You get down there and you have to do stuff like this. You have to lie. <laughs> you, have to tell, you have to tell Pharaoh that your wife is your sister. Because Why? Because uh, you're out of place. And now you've got to start stitching stories because you're out of place. And you've got to start inventing narratives because you're not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be back there where God showed you this is where you're supposed to be. You can't force something that is out of place to be right. This is what you got to give Abraham kudos for, though. It finally all began to click with him. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, and he packed up his tent, and he went back to the place where God had showed him. Seems like it's pretty logical to me. I'm going to go back to where I last saw God. I promise you he didn't see God in Egypt. Maybe somebody needs to leave deeper and go back to where God. Where God showed you the last time. This is where you're supposed to be. I don't know about you, but if I was Abraham, I'd like to think that I would have started building a permanent structure. Right there. The moment that God said, boo, here it is. This is the land. 
I would like to think. But then I know who I am too. So this is why I'm just here to tell you there's a geography to the favor of God. Is this making sense to anybody today? Where matters to God. Whether you're in an upper room matters to God. Downstairs or upstairs. Come on. That precise. That precise. I sure hope that there's some prophets uh, that can follow directions as good as a raven can. He knows where I am. Let me just tell you this. Oh, God. Inferior geographical locations with superior promises are always better in the end. Inferior locations with superior promises are always better in the end. Now, there might be a few of us that can preach this, but I sure can't. Y'all ever been to Plaster Rock? Nope. Majority of you haven't. You've been there. You've been there. You know it's a burgeoning metropolitan area that is just where everybody wants to go. Well, you have to bring that up. It's cold. Yeah, it is that. It's a landing strip for ravens. I don't, I don't struggle one bit with jealousy over you, Pastor and Tam, Tom Ball, or you and Texarkana. This is really where I just, I, I don't, California? <laughs> I'm trying to put as much sugar in this medicine as I can. You got you to gotta fall in love with where God called you. Oh, come on. Come on, now. come on now. You gotta stop picking apart everything that's against you. There's nothing against you. If the ravens are on their way there, there's nothing against you. You don't wanna be where there's no ravens. You don't want to try to plant a church where there's not a raven. You don't want to try to run a mission where there's no raven. I'm trying to hurry right now, but I really feel the Holy Ghost trying to do something right now. 
Here's the problem. When we start, when we start looking naturally at places, it messes us up. We gotta look through the eyes of divine calling. Abraham's walking, and I'll be Lot. And he, he, he's already abandoned the place once. Now he's figured out, I'm going to go wherever God wants to go. But you got this guy walking with you called Lot. He's not supposed to be with you either. That's another whole branch of the conversation. But you got to make sure that the people around you don't pull you to the wrong. Abraham and Lot standing there having this conversation. Abraham says, Lot, we got to separate. We, we can't do this. Lot, you go first. You pick the place. So Lot began to Google all the surrounding areas. He began to find out what the medium income was. He had to project what the tithing would be. Had to know whether or not he could hunt or fish there. Had to know whether he could golf in January. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I'm on I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hustle now. I'm a... And so Lot says, found it. Sodom and Gomorrah. Perfect. Fits all of the spots. This is exactly where I can go and raise my family. This is the spot. This is it. Yeah, Taylor made. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some people are so spiritual, the Holy Ghost uses them, they don't even. <laughs> They'll bring all the spiritual folks here, here in a minute. Just, just give me a couple more minutes and we'll be done. I'm going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know what he said? He said, to me, it looks like the Garden of Eden. How in the world can you look at a place that God's ready to nuke? God's finger is hovering over the nuke button. And you call that the Garden of Eden? When you look only through the eyes of the natural... It'll have you moving to the wrong place. And so Lot just left and he went down to a place. And he starts raising a family there. And because he was out of place, Abraham started getting drawn into battles that he shouldn't have to fight. To Got drawn into conflicts that he should never have had to get drawn into. Why? Because he was out of place. Because I'm telling you, when one man gets out of place, it affects the whole kingdom. Every man of faith is affected. One man out of place. One, man, one woman out of place can bring the whole flow of anointing to a stop. Just one, one person out of place. If we could get everybody in place, only God knows what could happen in our churches in 2024. If we... 
Only God knows what could happen in our fellowship if we could get everybody in place. Soon as Lot walks away, God speaks to Abraham and said, lift up your eyes. Look this way, look this way, look this way. Wherever you put your feet, wherever you go, it's going to be yours. Wow. Within a few moments. I mean, you can read it in just a, literally a few moments. All of a sudden, God is revealing himself to Abraham. He said, Abraham. I need to talk to you about something I've got to do. I've got to wipe a place out. Lot is getting up, going about his business. That morning, no idea that on the top of the mountain, there's a man of faith negotiating with God. Now, I want you to notice what the negotiation was over. It wasn't over Lot. The answer was always this. If there's 50, will you save the place? If there's 40, will you save the place? on God's mind was the place. Lot, Lot has no idea what is going on on the top of the mountain. None. He doesn't know he's living under the potential of a spiritual nuclear threat that will annihilate that place. You know what the Bible says? Abraham walks away. I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of frame of mind Abraham was in. I really don't know. The Bible says that the next morning he went back out. It says it to the place where he would meet with God. He had a specific place at a particular vantage point. And as he looked out, he saw the smoke rising from that place, from this place. At that moment, you thank God you're not. Can I say this? And these elders can fix it. I just want to tell you something. I don't think I can just build a church anywhere. I'm just going to tell you. I, I, I can only give it to you just how I feel. I'm not ugly. I'm, not, I'm just telling you exactly how it is. I have no plans on leaving Plaster Drive. I figured that. So if there's any of you waiting on trying to get the church that I'm pastoring, dream on, Jack. You can come check my pulse if you want to, but you ain't... Uh, if I leave Plastrock, it's going to be in a pine box. Can God do it? Yes, He can. But I'm not sure He does it as much as...
There needs to be, come on now. There needs to be something that gets on the inside of you that says, I ain't changing my mind. I'm not leaving. God called me here. My dad moved in to the church where I'm pastoring right now. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying what I said. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just saying that you, you, you just, just quit looking for better ravens. I feel like I'm way out here now. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to fly back home. Because I know where home is. And, and, and I'm not looking for another address. And I, You said it this morning. 21 years. That's a good thing. I, I like the sounds of that. There's a geography to the call of God. There's a geography to the favor of God. This is a safe place. They say we can just. We can't say this in a lot of meetings. This just this just us. When you go through stuff and they try to drive you out of town, and they're stopping cars in the middle of the street. I'm not making this stuff up, bro. I got those tattoos. Well, not really, but <laughs> t-shirts. How about that? And they're trying to get people in the town. To sign a petition to get you run out of town? If you're looking for a way out. You'll move out. Like, can I tell you something? I didn't enjoy a minute of it. I hated every minute of it actually. So I'd be alright with it if it never happens again. God. <laughs> but on the same token. It put something on the inside of me. That said if you think you can run me out of this town. You can't run me out of this town. I was called into this town. I'm here to take dominion in this town. You need to go back to your field of calling and make sure every devil knows I'm not leaving. This had overtones of what got him started on this faith journey. 
go to a land that I will show you. There's going to be a mountain that I will show you. You know what the Bible says? That he made his way. Now, I've often just read this to be that he traveled for three days. No, I don't think that's what it is. It says he went to the place and tarried there three days. He waited there. He went as far as God told him to go. And then he said, I'm going to stop right here. Because not just any old mountain would do. Not just any old outcropping on the landscape will do. If I'm going to offer a sacrifice, I'm going to make sure I'm offering it in the right place. And he saw it from afar. What did he see? There it is. That's the place. That's where I'm supposed to be. When you see it, it'll click with you. When you see it, it will click with you. There may be some of you waiting for the next there. You listen to me. When you see it, it'll click. You'll know where it's supposed to be. At that moment with faith, he looked. And he said, I and the lad are going yonder to worship. And we shall return. How, how, did, he have the, how did he have the foresight to know that I can go, but we will return? Because he knew that if God is a God of precision, He is also a God of provision. And while he's walking up one side of that mountain, coming up the other side of that mountain is a ram. And he looks at his son. Who said, we don't have a sacrifice. He said, all I can tell you is this. God will provide himself a sacrifice. But on the landscape of mountains, uh, there's only one mountain that's got a ram climbing up the other side of that mountain. Uh, Not just any old mountain will do. Uh, Not just any old brook will do. Uh, Not just any old widow will do.
How many times have we killed the next generation? Because we, we scaled the wrong mountain. We died bitter old people because we thought God wouldn't make us do it. The ram was on another mountain. I've just come to remind you that God has your provision. You just got to make sure you're on the wrong mountain, right mountain, by the right brook, at the right widow's table. You think being here or there makes a difference? Absolutely it makes a difference. to get us out of place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Do you know where your place ultimately is prepared? Do you know heaven wasn't made for you? Hell, sorry, wasn't made for you. Heaven's made for you. Hell's not made for you. Hell's made for the devil and his angels. So the adversary wants to get us out of place in time. So we'll spend eternity out of place. And he wants preachers to die bitter. And he wants preachers' wives to die offended and bitter. Out of place. So that they'll spend eternity out of place. I've just come to tell you tonight, if you could see through the eyes of the Spirit, on the other side of that mountain you're climbing is a ram that's making its way towards you with pinpoint accuracy. If you'll go to the place where two roads meet, there's going to be a colt. I mean, it's just over and over and over and over. It's everywhere with precision. You're going to find exactly One last example I want to give you. And I really believe that the Holy Ghost wants to minister to somebody here tonight. The anointing is like the oil that flowed down over Aaron's beard all the way down to the hem of his garment. It is like the dew on Mount Hermon that this drop connects with this drop until it becomes a cascading flow that descends all the way down. And then he just makes this statement. How good, how pleasant it is for brethren dwell together in unity. That's every one of us in our place. 
for there. Everybody shout there. The Lord commanded blessing and light forevermore. Seems how we've waded out into some stuff tonight. Can I just give one more? I don't really care what cards you hold in your pocket. cares. There's no organization that is a there. Do you know where there is? Brethren! That's where there is. Dwelling together in unity. That's not anti-organization. I'm just telling you that there is not an organization. And it's not a fellowship. There is brethren dwelling together in unity. I wonder what would happen in 2024 if we cared a lot less. About what circle or what clique or what club. And we just cared whether or not someone believed this glorious apostolic message. And I, I, I see this funeral procession coming, Brother Marks. There's a widow coming. She's, she's got her, her son. And Jesus is coming in. Nothing is accidental with him. Ask Zacchaeus. Not just any tree will do. It's got to be that tree. And that God of precision, Brother Marks, when they're on their way out of the town, he goes over and he touches the buyer. Raises that boy. Do you know what they say? They say that that spot is exactly where it was prophesied at the base of the mountain of Mount Hermon. For there he commanded blessing and life a funeral can be changed out of there. can be reversed out of there. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight that would say, God, I'm going to leave deeper conference and I'm going back. And I'm going to walk into my community. And I'm going to preach on Sunday morning until there, there shows up. I'm going to preach until the anointing shows up. I'm going to preach until a raven shows up. 
And when I speak, that's when the heavens are going to open up again. And that's when it's going to start raining again. And that's when we're going to have revival again. And that's when we're going to see backsliders walking through the doors. And that's when we're going to realize. Is there anybody that believes that God can still send a revival to your location? Uh, that God can still send a revival to your country? Uh, God can still send a revival to your city, Brother Morgan? Uh, it may not come as fast as you wanted, uh, but you kept working. Uh, and you kept preaching. Uh, and you kept praying. Uh, and you kept fasting. Uh, I'm just here to push back against that spirit that wants you to dovetail and run. That wants you to leave. That wants you to walk out of your city and shake the dust off of your feet. I'm here to tell you that geography still matters to God. And if He called you to that city, set your feet down and preach until you have revival. And set your...
it's apparent we've heard from the Lord tonight. I want you to reach over and connect with somebody if you would. Come on, minister to somebody nearby you for just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. You're not as alone as you think you are. You're not as by yourself as the enemy would try to convince you of. There's people in this room who's been asking the same questions you've been asking. Feeling and fighting the same things you've been fighting and feeling. Yes. Guess what? You're in the right place tonight. I said you're in the right place tonight. Come on, lift up your voice, man of God. Lift up your voice, man of God. You've been timid too long. You've been intimidated and backed into a corner too long. The devil's been in your head too long. It's time you lift up your voice like a trumpet. I'm going to proclaim it. I'm going to step out and proclaim it. Come on, let's, let's pray with a fervent prayer right now. I feel like people's reaching up and pulling down strongholds. Promises to be fulfilled. Come on, this isn't about you. God's going to fulfill His promise. It's God's work.
The scripture says the enemy cometh down with great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. It tells me the more intense things get. It's because the enemy knows that victory is imminent for you. Revival is imminent for you. God's blessings are right. You come feeling like you were on the brink. I'll tell you what you're on the brink of is not losing your mind. You're on the brink of blessing. You're on the brink of fresh anointing. You're on the brink of revival. You're on the brink of promises being fulfilled. Come on, somebody needs to embrace it. Somebody needs to see it as it is. The thing that's fighting and resisting me is an indication that I'm closer than I've ever been to the goodness and the blessings of God being fulfilled in my life. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. What this man of God was talking about here tonight is more than just a physical location or address. It could be an office. I'm talking about what God called you to. The ministry that God gave you. The work that God has asked you to fulfill. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor McKillop. How many is thankful for the word of the Lord today? That helped me. And I know it helped a lot of people here. Spoke to my heart. Praise God. Praise God. Let's remember. Let's remember to come early in the morning. Before service begins to pray and prepare our hearts, as Brother Lambeth is scheduled to bring the word of the Lord in the morning, and then tomorrow night uh, we're going to conclude this conference with the ministry of Brother Marks. So thankful for these men of God, and I know that that great things are in store. I thank God for everything He's done, but the unique and wonderful thing about God is that He exceeds His own greatness. Whatever He's done for us in the past and has done for us here tonight, He's able to exceed His own greatness and do more for us in the future. Praise the Lord. One more time, I think it'd be appropriate. We just lift up our hands and thank the Lord. Give praise to Him right now. Oh, hallelujah.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor Calhoun just mentioned something, the, the danger in preaching, like I've tried to do tonight, and I trust I've done it justice before God. There's so many facets of everything. He just mentioned offices. I thank God for evangelists that know their place. There's two here, Brother Marks more than that, but two, Bishop Tipton, that have done this in our in my life. I've given them this liberty if you ever feel. And it was just a few months ago. Bishop Tipton called. Brother Marks has done it. And when they stepped in, it wasn't just good preaching. It was exactly what was needed. So you don't have to be a pastor. It's, 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 it's not office specific. This thing called timing and place is something that across the scope of apostolic ministry that is needed. And I've seen it with my own brother, and this is what I wanted to mention tonight, who was pastoring in a nice little town, town nicer than I pastor in, and God moved him all the way to Belize at the end of a dirt road. So he lost his bragging rights. He used to be able to say he had a coffee shop in town, and I didn't. Not no more. Plast Rock is way uptown from Guinea Grass, Belize. But I've seen God through his ministry in the last few years take a church that was dwindled down to 12 or 15 people. And there's over 100. Well, he's not going to run around and say that. So don't leave here saying that I don't think God moves people from place to place. No, he does. And when it's of God, it'll prosper. And it'll be in order. And, and, and now he doesn't have to sh shovel snow. And now he lives where there's palm trees and stuff. And I still have to. But I'll tell you what else. Is there all right if I just tell you? Because I, I, I don't want to just present one side of this tonight. God's a God, God's a provider. And I'm pastoring in a small little town. And God's given us a great big vision. And we're building the building. And we started it and they said it was $6.9 million to build it. And that was way more than what I wanted. But the moment that we started, inflation doubled it. And now it's 11.9. If they'd have told me that at the beginning, Brother Tiller, I'd have just, I'd, I'd have taken that quote. And I'd have made it into a paper airplane. I'd have thrown that back at them and said, you got the wrong guy. But I was already in it. Now what? 
the ram is on the other side. You know what's happened since I was here last year? I had a businessman in my town call me. Some of you know this, but some of you don't. You may need to hear it tonight. I had a businessman in our town call me and say, I need to meet you. Yes, sir. I drove across town, sat down at the table. He said, how's your day going today, Pastor McKillop? I said, it's going good. He said, well, it's fixing to go a lot better. I said, I'm not used to calls like this. This, this sounds all right. And he shoved across that great big table between he and I a check. And when I flipped it over, it was $1 million. Some of y'all are hard to impress. <laughs> that was a big deal. Now listen. He don't go to my church. Yet. <laughs> that was a raven. I just want to tell you tonight that the vision that God's given you for where you're at is not too big. It's not too expensive. It's not beyond his ability. He can send a raven with what you need to get the job done. It is time we get that boldness back. It is time that we get that determination back. Let's go have revival in Jesus' name. He's talking about ravens and being in the right place. 16 years ago, I was pastoring a church around over 300 people, and we built it up from over 50. And uh, I walked in my office one Sunday morning about 5 o'clock, and as soon as I sat down, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you're released. In a church that I love, to this day I love. And I fell out on the floor for three hours, and I wept because I didn't want to leave. And... Um, so my wife came in. She wanted to know what was wrong, and I told her. And, and uh, three weeks later, I resigned my church, and I stayed there until the first of the year, January 2008. So um, at that time, I didn't know how critical it was, but my home church had, uh, was in the process of splitting, and uh, Brother Puckett asked me to come back and help there. And so I went back. I thought I'd be there for a year. Because I did not want to go back to Carrollton. I, I did not like the city. I did not, not like the spirit that I felt after being in Reynoldsburg. There was such release and such revival. And, um, I, you know, you already broke through that. And I, I sure didn't want to go back to Carrollton. When I got there, uh, it was probably eight, eight or nine years, man, just in a storefront. And... Um, fighting devils, and I talked about those giants that I saw and uh, how we rebuked them. And so we tried to build a man in the community, gave us a piece of property worth about 350000 I think we paid sixty for it. Well, we found out the land wasn't even feasible to build on, so we sold it back to him. And um, it was just a, it just seemed like everything in Carrollton was a dead end. And uh, we taught, we preached. We did everything. I taught many Bible studies. And uh, some stuck, some didn't. 
church got up to maybe about 90 to 100 people, but never would go over that. And um, so I think this was seven years ago, six and a half, seven years ago now. Um, we tabled our building. We're not going to build too much. It just got to be outrageous. And and uh, the day that, that I told the board, the next day or that night, I told the board, I said, we're not going to do nothing. Table it. The next day, we got a call for a building, and that was available. So we bought the building, and um, we remodeled it. It's been a beautiful place for us. We've really grown in this building, and God has done a great work. But I called a builder the other day to come and tell me how much it's going to take to build another bigger sanctuary beside us, and it got without even purchasing the property. It was somewhere between $3.55 million dollars. And uh, so I didn't feel comfortable with that. And so the day, I think it was the day before, maybe a few days before, a realtor in my town said, Brother Tiller said there's a big store, Kroger store, or a, a grocery store that had come available, and they're leaving this week. They're moving everything out. He said, I think we'll look at that. So we go and look at this building, 32,000 square feet, and I'm thinking, well, you know, this is really great. And we talked about what it's going to cost. He said, we'll probably, we could probably get it for a million dollars or whatever. And, and so when I was talking to the builder and he gave us the, the uh, financials on what it's going to take to build, I said, Jim, you think you can run and look at a building with me? He said, yeah. So we went out and looked at the store and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, this is a no-brainer. He said, if you can get this building, he said, I'll remodel this thing. He said, it will be gorgeous. And, um, so the, the company that owns the building, uh, we contacted them, and we asked them if they would be interested in selling to a church. And they said, yeah, make us an offer. And so my real estate guy called me. He said they want an offer. And um, he said, but I think we ought to wait. I said, okay. So we waited, I don't know, four or five days. They called back and said, make us an offer. And um, so we didn't make an offer. And then they called back again. Make us an offer. So I prayed about it. God, I want to be fair. I don't want to just, you know, act like I'm some hick needing welfare because we don't. God's been good. And, and, and if you're a hick needing welfare, I'm not downing you right now. <laughs> but um, so I wrote him a letter, told him what we was doing, told him what our church did in the community, and and I said, I want to, I'll offer $400,000 and a tax write-off up to the appraised value. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't even half a day, I don't think, was it, Con? And they accepted that. And so, so we... So we, we're in a small town, and, and our people would never push to give a lot. Um, went until I come, and then we had a building fund. We paid our building off in six years, and and our people have been given like five hundred, five thousand dollars a month for seven, six, six years maybe. And so um, I go to the bank. We go to the bank, and and our building's paid off, and it's worth about a million dollars. And and the banker said, uh, Yeah, I was in the bank twenty minutes. He gave me over a million dollar loan. And this is in a small town and with a church that's never, ever bought more than $200,000, I guess, maybe free when they built their gym before. 
And so um, he gives me that loan. And I walk out and I look at, at one of my board members who is the real estate guy. And I said, did he just give us a loan for over a million dollars? He said, he sure did. So we go back and now we've got architectural drawings that I should have gotten today, but I didn't. And, um, but hopefully they'll be the final drawings and then we'll go to the engineer and then we'll go. But the, the thing that he said, I did not want to be there. And I remember probably seven years ago, I had to pray a prayer. God, make me, help me to love this town. And it wasn't until I fell in love with my city. And, and I had, um, I'm going to say this, I don't, mean, I, don't, I don't mean to take time, but I think this is needful. Um, the first eight years I was there, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll be here. God will send me someplace else, you know. And uh, so I just kept staying and staying and staying. Nothing opened up. Nobody called and said, you want our church? You know how we do it. <laughs> so I just stuck it out. I didn't go looking. And, and the time when God began to put a love in my heart for Kelton, there was three major churches that came open and called me and wanted me to take them. And I had tell, I told every one of them no. I was running a lot less people than they were. And, but I knew I was where God wanted me to be. And now we run almost 200 people. The church is, is going to be beautiful. I wish I could show you the plans. It's just a, an edifice. And, and, um, but it, but I, I say this. It appraised just as is at 1.5 million, and my insurance company said, "I'm not I'm not going to value this less than 4.5 million." And when you get this finished, they said it could go up to six million, and and here we are, 16 years. God, when are you, when are you going to open the door for a building? And God said, "I'm going to give you a building." And he said, it's going to be beyond anything you could ever imagine. And but I'll tell you this, it's not the building that makes me happy. It's the people that he's bringing in. And if all, your, if all your success in measuring success is a building, then we are totally missing it. But it's people. It's people. And um, I remember Brother Wayne Huntley preached a message years ago. The coin is in the fish's mouth. If you can go out and fish and reach people, you're not going to have too many problems to anything else. But you got to love people enough to go after them. Well, we lift our hands just for a minute. You need to open your spirit and receive what's been spoken to you tonight.
Don't let the birth of a great revival be aborted because you got weary and you got frustrated. Don't let a great revival be aborted because we got tired or it's too hard. It's too hard. God help us tonight. Isn't this so helpful and needful? Aren't you thankful for the candor and the openness in a venue like this? Praise God. Sometimes if it's not scaring you to death, it's probably not a big enough dream. I've been there a few times. But God's good, isn't he?